This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Recording live out of the Mississippi Delta, I am here with my uncle, Johnny Larson, who has one of my favorite comeback stories, has been an inspiration, a mentor, a voice into my life for many years, even since the days of Friars Point and talking about ministry and all kinds of things, even before I ran into my struggles. Um, when I, some of my earliest memories of Johnny um, were obviously farming and being a part of the family, but also prison ministry and um, just really pouring your life into people that most of society would rather just forget about and not even acknowledge. And I know that that heart and that passion for the marginalized and the broken came from a real place, and you've got a real story, and we'd love to hear it. Well, let's see. Let me start out uh, by saying, and Trey, that uh, we are so proud of you, and and we pray for you every day, because we know you ain't got just one enemy. You're sin nature, but you've got the world is screaming that you're nuts and, and, uh, and the devil is going to get after people that are, that are uh, extending the um, kingdom. And uh, so we pray for you every day. We're, we're very aware of, of his presence and what he does and consider it an honor if, when you get attacked, if you possibly can. Uh, well, my story, I, I, I'm a, my story is quite a bit like yours. I was thinking about it riding in, in, uh, into the house here. And we, we both grew, uh, had Christian parents. I, I was raised in a little Methodist church in Friars Point and, uh, where I got the grace of God. And there's no doubt about it. I loved that church and loved the Christians that were in it and whatnot. Uh, and they gave me the gospel. Now, I didn't receive the gospel back then, and I was a rebellious guy, you know, and, and uh, I was a... And so it wasn't their fault. They were doing the gospel, and my parents were doing what they should have been doing. It was I was the problem. It was my fault that I didn't get it. But I grew up, uh, got into athletics in junior high, and, and uh, then it wasn't long before I was drinking. You got into drinking and drugs, and I never got into drugs, really. The extreme, I, was, I always thought of myself as a pearl amongst the swine, uh, you know, I was always the good guy that I don't know what I'm doing with these people, but they're lucky to have me here. Uh, and it, finally it dawned on me one day, Satan was just blinding my eyes. You know, you're, just, you're one of them, Johnny, you know, and uh, you're not, the, you know, the good guy. And I was, I believed in Jesus. I, I, you couldn't break my arm and make me deny Christ. I was a religious person, but I, as I look back at my life, I ne- there was never... You know, before I was saved, which I'm going to get to here, when I was 28, um, there was religion was important to me. Christianity was important. I believe Jesus was the Son of God who died for the sins of the world. Uh, and but it was never the most important thing for me. It was always football or sports. I got into athletics quick, or girls, uh, and in high school started drinking heavily. In, in high school and college. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, when I, I'll, I'll just blow on through this part of my life, and you can ask me questions if you want to, but when I, I, I went to college and 
for four years. And uh, by the way, I, I, I was con convinced I was a Christian. Uh, you know, and to me, what a Christian was, is to, what a lot of people think a Christian is today, is somebody that believes in Jesus. Oh, yeah, I'm because of everybody I respect believes in Jesus. So you grow up Christian, you, just like you grow up American or, or a Republican or whatever the people you respect uh, uh, believe in. And I believed I was a Christian in that sense. Um, but the fact that I went to college for four years and never one time went to, went to church, it didn't even affect me. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't dawn on me at all that I was not, I, how could I be a Christian? with all these unbelievable requirements in the Bible, and they, they didn't even bother me. They didn't affect me at all. You know, I just was a sinner, and I thought I, you, you get to heaven by believing in Jesus, that sort of intellectual assent to that fact, plus you got to try now. you gotta, you got to, you know, you gotta, you got to be a good guy. And uh, these people that went around with this, these Bible-beating people went around talking about saving people and what like, like I'm doing now, the, the, these kind of people, uh, they were, they're just nuts, and they were really not nice people. And I would have a whole lot better chance of getting into heaven because you've got to have faith and you've got to be a good person. You've got to try. And so I lived for many, many years under that delusion that, my, that you know, that my, basically it boiled down to my works, my performance. So uh, that brings us up to when I got out of college, and I'd always been kind of a wild buck, you know, and I still got a little wild buck in me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, like, uh, like these, these guys that break these broncos, you know, that these wild horses, and, you know, what they, what they basically are saying is, is you can feed me, but don't get on my back. And I was, I was sort of like, like, like that. And I was, once I got out kind of independent, I really got wild. And after I got out of college, I started farming. Uh, all of a sudden, the most important things to me were uh, women and wine and song. And, and I was going to make a million dollars by the time I was 30. I was going to be worth a million dollars. But I always had this, this delusion that I was somehow down deep sweet and God was going to overlook the fact that I, I got rip-roaring drunk and hurt somebody terribly. You know, and, and all of that stuff was going to be let go because I'm a nice guy. And that's really the formula for heaven. He's, Mama told me he's such a good boy. And I believed her. So I'm, I'm out of college now, and I'm just getting wilder and wilder. I'm drinking more, and I'm making money. But I'm 27 years old, and all of a sudden, one, when I realized I had money, I had everything, I had girlfriends, I had everything I thought would make me happy. I was not only unhappy; I was depressed. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I, I realized this is not, this is, this isn't, this isn't what you know what I thought it was going to be. I think the most depressed people are the, not the people that don't have what they think will. Will uh, will make them happy, but the people that get what they think's happy, and there's nothing else to look forward to. Wow, that's strong. So, and that's where I was. I don't. Where do I go from here? You know, I'm. I'm. I even had. I remember one night I had a had a idea just blowing my brains out because I didn't know where to where to go. So, when I was about 27 years old, 
I did the unthinkable. Uh, I had a date with a serious Christian girl. She was a girl I met in college. And, uh, and she was, I was just that depressed that I was willing to try somebody that wasn't going to go get drunk with me. I knew she wasn't going to get drunk with me. I knew I couldn't get drunk or she'd, you know. So I decided to take this Christian <laughs> out, you know, and try to live with her a little bit, you know, and try to see if I could communicate, you know, and maybe get her to come over <laughs> to my side a little bit. And I, I would uh, whisper sweet nothings in her ear, and she would, uh, she would say scripture in my ear. <laughs> I kind of wanted to hear that, but I didn't really want to. I wanted her sweet nothings to me. But she wasn't going to do that, and she had a steel stomach, and we had millions of, of uh, conversations. Uh, we'd sit up and talk about God. I love to talk about God. The problem was I talked about this creation that I had made in my mind, and my relationship with God was basically I, I was counting on him being merciful, and he's way up there somewhere on the other side of that star maybe up there, and don't get down in my business. Now. I, don't, I don't want you in my bedroom. And I don't want you to go out on a date with me. Well, something happened, and we were even considering matrimony, and but something happened, and we didn't, and it didn't didn't work out, and uh, so I'm left by myself, and I'm sitting over there in Friars Point. And this is uh, January 10th, 1980. Uh, barricaded myself in my house. That was it was snow on the ground. I remember that, and it was of course we weren't farming, so I had nothing to do. And I, I found, uh, uh, I was a depressed, and I found uh, an old dusty Bible my mother had given me in junior high. And for the first time in my life that I know of, I opened that Bible up to actually see what, you know, the, for help. And so I opened the Bible up January 1st, and night and day for 10 days, uh, I just did nothing but, but just stuffed the Bible in my head, and because I didn't know, I, I was at the end of my rope. I didn't, I didn't know where anywhere else to go. And I, and believe me, if you'd known me at that time, uh, I was in some bad shape to go to the Bible, because I that that wasn't me. I was not cool hand Luke. I didn't, I didn't need no Bible up until then. And then all of a sudden, God just drew me through being miserable, I think. He just wouldn't let me be happy. I mean, I did. I was doing. I was still doing all the things I'd done that, that before would make me happy. And all of a sudden, every one of them just turned to poo-poo. Wow. So I'm sitting there, and I read the Bible for 10 days in a row, day and night. And it was uh, January 10th at 3 o'clock in the morning. I had a real supernatural conversion experience. Uh, I was laying in my bed, I was reading my Bible, and I don't know what I was reading or where I was, uh, but I looked up over my Bible, I was in my bedroom, and all my furniture in my bedroom was dark walnut antique furniture. And I looked up over my Bible, and every, every piece of furniture in my room was white as snow. And, and there was a brilliant light that was shining in my room. And it was as bright as the, uh, 
as a noonday Florida beach sun. And yet, it was completely gentle. And the best way I can explain it, Trey, is just to tell you that, that all of a sudden, it was like I was almost like I was being lifted up out of my bed. And, all, and, and the best way I can explain it, it was incredible peace. I knew my sins were forgiven. I knew all that was gone. It was like it just miraculously left me. And it was just a God thing. Wow. And, and, and as I was sitting there just glorying in the moment, and I think it was just going on for like five or ten minutes, and as I was just, just sucking it up, I've never been such, so happy in my life, and, and, I, and I, I distinctly heard a voice in my heart, not a audible, but in my heart, I heard God tell me, Jesus told me, and Jesus was that light, by the way, the light of the world, you know. But he told me everything's going to be all right. And you don't know how many times I've remembered that when, I, when I've had difficulties since then. I want you to know that if, when you get in trouble, everything's going to be all right. I promise you, you got, you got a God that's taking care of you. You're, you're in his hand. You can't be any safer. So everything's going to be all right. I don't care what trouble you get into. You mess up, fail. That's grace when he covers your failures, you know. So uh, I was wowed by that. Uh, the next day I got up, I couldn't wait to go tell my mother, who had a Catholic upbringing, and she thought it was uh, uh, bragging to, to say, I know I'm going to heaven. But she asked me the question. She said, I want to ask you that question, Johnny. After I told her that experience, she said, uh, do you know you're going to heaven? And Trey, I was ignorant, theologically ignorant. I didn't, nobody had told me I'm supposed to know that I'm going to heaven. And I said, yes. And she looked at me, and, 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 but then I realized what I had said, and I, and I went like this, like, here's my mama in here. And, uh, you know, and, and at, at the time I couldn't explain it, but now I can because it has nothing, that, that's not bragging. I used to think people were bragging when they said, I know I'm going to heaven. That, that, that equated to me that I know I'm a good, good enough person to go to heaven. But it has nothing to do with me. The fact that I know I'm going to heaven is a settled fact that Jesus died for my sins. He, he either took my sins or he didn't. Yeah. And he did, and I believe it. I trust him. I supernaturally have the gift of faith. I, believe, I trust him. I know I'm going to heaven, but it has nothing to do with me. It's not my works, not my performance. It's him. It's what he's done. So I'm not bragging about what a good person I am. But people that people don't misunderstand you when you say that. Uh, so if it's if it has nothing to do with you, how can it be bragging? Right. So uh, and anyway, I would say after that, you know, after that happened, uh, of course, I've, I've lived a lot of years since then. That was 1980, so that's 41 years ago. Right? Yeah. That's 41 years ago. And I've had a lot of experiences, but I just, right after that, I just got, really got in, into the Word, into the Bible, and started in prison fellowship, went, went to that for 20 years. And, and I guess uh, that's pretty much my story, Trey. I think so many 
that would listen to this either have a loved one or they're there themselves, um, and they they remember the depression, the just like you said, I mean, all the things that I used to do that fulfilled me, the drinking, the women, the partying, I mean, all that kind of stuff, and it comes to an end where you just realize, hey, this is just, this isn't working, but yet how many people stay in that cycle and choose to try to medicate it with, with drinking and all of that, and just that, that, you know, I just think about that place of pain, I just remember my own life of how lonely it was, and just thinking, like, this, this is, this is a rough, rough seasons, um, and, and, and things to to really do um, for them to position themselves to 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 come out of that. Well, drinking and drugs or whatever that those are just medications. It, what they, they, they it, you know it's, it starts out happy juice, but then it you know it just completely opens the door uh, for doing things that you wouldn't normally do. I would say that uh, a whole lot of the what kept me away from the Lord probably was drinking uh, a lot. It would, you know, it 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 kind of uh, nullifies or neuters sin. You know, mm-hmm. it's like okay, well, I was drinking, and 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 when you drink, it just temporarily it makes you forget your sin. But you know what got me, Trey, was it wasn't just drinking; it was an alcohol. It was it was everything. My whole lifestyle. But uh, but but I I can see how I I medicated my guilt and I just kept doing it. Yeah. And that's you can you can keep that going for a long time. But praise God, I had a Damascus Road, and I'm convinced I was so deep, I was so sold into sin. Now, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but it 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 took a Damascus Road for me. Yeah, I had to have a light in my room, and uh, because I don't, I, I, you know, I just think I was so far gone. Now I think all of us are sinners, and we all have sin natures and, and and everything. But I do think that the deeper you get into sin, the harder it is to get out. Yeah. Yeah. I know you probably talk to drug addicts and alcoholics, and. And uh, I think you've probably seen that. You know, the quicker you can catch them, probably the better off you are. Yeah, there's more damage that comes with it the longer you stay out there. What, what do you say to to a new believer? You know, yeah, I think about all the people in in Good Landing that are at the front end of this journey, and so often I kind of liken it to somebody sitting on an emergency room table and they got a faint heartbeat, and it could go either way. Like, what? I mean, I know that you stayed in the Word. Um, your understanding of grace, you know, just even as you're talking now, it just reminds me so much of the different talks that we've had throughout the years and just how much hope that I'm just reminded now of like, yeah, he really, just that reality of that even if I mess up, like he's there to cover me and to be with me. What do I say? I say that, well, other than just the concept of grace, see, people, grace is so good, it's hard to believe. You know, you can't sell it. You know, because, of, oh, no, it's got to cost something. Oh, no, it costs nothing, or it's not grace. So, but when you get past the subject of grace, uh, and my favorite verse uh, is Romans 8.28, which says, and we know that all things, and all things include the good things and the bad things, and even your own personal failures, 
which some of your patients need to understand, even failures. All things work together for good for those who love God. So it's not getting all your ducks in a row. It's a matter of whether you want, you're going to be a committed child of God who loves God. Are you a Christian? If you are a Christian, everything that ever happens to you, good, bad, indifferent, your fault, their fault, whatever, everything that happens to you, God's some kind of way, he weaves it into something that turns out for good, for your good. So there's nothing you'll ever, it's, it's a too good to, to be true. There's, God loves you unconditionally. He's holding you. I'm talking to your patients. If you become a Christian, he will keep you. You're, you're a failure. Don't, you know, don't, that's, Christianity is not about how strong Trey and Johnny are. We're weak. We, 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 we've got a sin nature that's enormous right now, me and you that something bigger than us has got to handle. I just was reading where King Hezekiah uh, was fighting the Assyrians. They, your patience, your people cannot handle life. They've got to understand there are things way above them. Hezekiah, uh, God sent an angel, one angel, to help Hezekiah, king of Judah, that one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. Now we're talking about sin natures and the world is against you, Trey's people. We're talking about demonic forces that are against you. One angel could kill 185,000 soldiers in one night, and you think you can handle it? You can't handle nothing. Right. This is this is this is so far over your head. The, you're you're going to come out of this thing, but but only one way is with God's power. Yeah, wow, so good. You 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 you're not you're not going to figure a way out of this thing. You know you 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 can't even take the Bible and just study it enough to where you can figure that out and apply that. You can't even do that. You've got to trust in in Christ to get you out of this mess. If we're talking about people that are drug addicts, they have made drugs their God. And let, let me tell you, there's nothing. Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned. You know why that, why that, 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 that is because you have put drugs more important than God. That, that is spiritual adultery. You can't commit a worse sin than to take anything down here and raise it up and glorify it above God. Yeah. You cannot even walk across the room without the oxygen that he makes for you. That's so good, that's right. You can't do anything. I, I can do nothing apart from, from Christ. The apostle Paul, read the Bible, Paul had this tremendous humility. And he was a very accomplished person. He, he, he was in many, many ways, and he, and he looked back on all his great accomplishments and he said that it's, it's dung compared to the knowledge of Christ. See, and so I don't know, Trey, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kind of going on and on. But uh, if we're talking to people that are, are in, in, enslaved by drugs or anything, 
By the way, don't, they're not all the bad guys. We, I'm, people are enslaved to every, all kind of things. But that is absolute bondage, and, and the truth will set you free. So uh, get in the Bible. If, if you're a, a, a drug addict, I can tell you, you cannot get out of it. You are, you are absolutely helpless. You've got, you got, got something bigger than a, than a demon, and an angel has got to help you. Now, if you really want that and you ask him, he will help you. That is exactly what I needed, what we need, what we want, and to, to be able to hear the gospel and to understand what it means to be able to walk in real freedom. You're somebody that has done it for, for many years. And, um, you know, the other thing that I'm just thinking about over here is that it is, you know, I, I joke with guys a lot of times about about maturing in the faith and how weird it would be if, if I got up and spoke at Recovery Church and I was drinking from a sippy cup or a bottle, but in the same way how believers have to mature. And the thing that I know about you is that you face some real hardship even after you've given your life to Jesus. Yeah. From life-threatening surgery, you know, I mean, just just you've just been through it. Um, and as a mature believer and, and walking through difficult seasons. And what those difficult seasons are, are actually good. I mean, nobody wants to go through difficult seasons. But they, those, those are the things that give you the experience that God is bigger than whatever. And I don't think there's any, any way other than going through things that you can really know that God's bigger. That, you know... Uh, and I, and I, I and I, it's so freeing, Trey. I, I'm a, I want to say one other thing too. I was scared to death all my Christian life, almost until really this year. I didn't want to say I've surrendered my life, because to me the devil would grab me just as soon as I said that. It's oh well, you do this and you still you are not perfect. You you uh, get mad at Cindy and say things and 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 you well, don't don't say you're surrendered. Surrender doesn't mean perfect. Surrendered means I, I, I agree with you. You know better in everything. And even if it's a weakness, I don't, I, if it's something, Trey, that you, don't, that you hadn't got your little ducks in a row in yet, say, God, I surrender that to you. I, I can't. I, I want you to help me in that. Yeah. That whatever my anger or whatever, whatever it is that keeps coming up, just say that. But to be surrendered is to really, uh, to really say, the way what you what you're saying is better than is, is 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 I really agree that whatever you say is better than what I what I think, and and it really comes down to the push and shove comes down to what are you really fearing in this life, you know. And I'll be honest with you, I feared going broke farming for years. I do not fear going broke now. I really believe that if I did go broke, it, God would be putting me into something better. Romans 8:28. So whatever you fear is what you think you can't live without, is and and it's an idol, and um, and so the 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 that I feel so free because I don't have to worry about going broke anymore. Uh, I don't have to worry because I've got that much confidence. I've seen God deliver me through open heart surgery, through everything that you that scares you. And and the more and the more he do, he delivers you from, the more that you have confidence in him. And I've gotten to the point now where it's nothing. I, seriously, it's nothing. I'm not scared of anything. 
I'm, I'm not. I mean, you can turn, you can step out from around the corner and go boo, and I'll and I'll go like this. <laughs> and a, a, if a snake comes across my path, because there's some things you ought to be scared, you have fear. Yeah. That's good fear, but but not the kind of tormenting fear that that oh my God, what if I went broke? Yeah. I couldn't take care of Cindy and the girls, and what if uh, you know what if you uh, some fear you got? I don't know what your fears are, but whatever it is, don't fear it. Yeah. Because because it, God will take care of it. Yeah. I I just I'm. You're talking about the surrendered life, and even in the imperfections, you know. I just is I talk candidly with Holly and um, the staff at Good Landing, and you know, you, you just you love God, and I still use profanity. Not proud of that <laughs> deliverance in look, it. Hey, look, let me let me let me just soothe you a little bit. Listen, Trey, there are things you're not even know about the blind spots in you that you won't even know God won't even reveal them till next year. Right. You're doing them right now, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, and then next year he'll reveal them and you'll probably go through a process and hopefully you'll command that, but that's not what surrendered means. Yeah. Surrendered doesn't mean you got all your ducks in a row. So good. It doesn't mean you know everything. It doesn't mean you've everything you know of you've conquered. It does not mean that. It means... I believe in you, God. I am. I, I'm giving you my life. If I, I, I would hate it if I went broke, but if that's what I, that's what I want, if that's what you want, bring it on. We've got to get you in to teach over there. <laughs> can, can we get a verbal commitment that you'll come over? <laughs> we'll fly you in. It's enough money. Okay. <laughs> We're talking money here. Now, see, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, you know, rid myself of all my demons. <laughs> I need money. <laughs> They're great, great actually, speaker fees actually, for you. Actually, actually, uh, you know, and I'm going to tell you something. If I said something right now like cocky, like, uh, oh, I don't have any problem with money anymore. You know what Satan would do? He'd just check that box right there. Go, go get him right there. He's prideful. He's, he thinks he can't fall. And uh, so uh, I, I don't mean to be saying that. But uh, that's not a weakness of mine at this point, but by the grace of God. And, you know, I, I'm going to tell you something. Just in general, a Christian witness is this, and, and I think it's helpful to your people to say this, that just that I am not what I, after 41 years of Christianity, reading Bible, study, I've been a big, big studier. But after 41 years, I ought to be more holy than I am. But I'll tell you this, by the grace of God, I'm a whole lot different than I used to be. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's night and day difference. I mean, and you don't see those differences over two weeks or a month, maybe even a year. But after, you know, it takes a while. But you, if you're a Christian, he's working on you yeah. and you're changing. See, that's the whole idea is everything's about God. And these, this is what your people need to hear. They think it's gutting it out. They don't know, they don't know anything about grace. They don't know anything. You've got to start from square A with them. Say, do you realize that this angel killed 185,000 people like you in one night? And Satan is so crafty, supernaturally. He can absolutely have you tied up in it like a pretzel if you start trying to reason and debate with him. Wow. And that's why you just use the word of God. 
and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you to get, get the right word of God in you and, and live a, a disciplined life. And I'm going to tell you, Christianity is not a trip to the beach. Christianity is tough. It's, it's asking you to do uh, things impossible all the time. You, you're having to die to yourself. But that is the Christian life is dying. To, but the good thing about dying is that you die to your to old self, which is extremely painful. But you are, are becoming a new creation that, that, that is much better person. And this whole thing is not about having a Cadillac or getting well. It's about being conformed to the image of Christ. I've got one more thing to you. Come home. <laughs> you got to learn how to fight like a Christian. And how does, how does a Christian fight? You overcome evil with good. No exceptions. Now, what happens is people say, well, now, wait a minute. Now, you can't do that now. you got to protect yourself for you got to do that. And I don't mean you can't go to court because agape love is doing what's the right thing to do, not necessarily what the person agrees with. But you always have this attitude of love. And I think that, I think that a lot of Christians don't understand. Look at chapter 12 of Romans. Read that, read that chapter. People that persecute you, your enemies, love them, pray for them, bless them, without exception. And so, and I think a lot, of, a lot of Christians don't understand that. And that's what makes the life so supernatural. And that's why you got to have the Holy Spirit to live it. Amen. And, uh, and, and, but I think, I think that right there, Trey, gets something. And I know a lot of people get married and they, they carry their beliefs and thoughts and family traditions and whatnot into it. And, and all of a sudden there's this. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and, and uh, y you know, if, if you got a, a, if you and your spouse are surrendered, if you're, if you're willing to say, my way of doing things is going to be subject to whatever you say, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to do whatever you say. I, my way is not the only way or the highway, you know. And, and if you've got two people like that in a marriage, the marriage will work. It'll, it'll be beautiful. But just as soon as you're holding on, you got to do it this way. And what do you know? You don't know nothing. You don't know how to do any nothing. You, you're just sitting here. I, I guess the thing that was the most nauseating thing to me when I was, at an, an, I, I remember being an unbeliever real well. And uh, the, what nauseated me the most was uh, really humility, which, which I, I saw as something just horrible. And just, you know, I mean, golly, yeah, we're supposed to be cool and men are supposed to handle things and I'll go out and be the breadwinner. And I'm going to go, to, and I'm going to be smart and I'm going to figure out how to, I'm going to be the best farmer over there around Friars Point. And all of that, that's how I grew up. You know, Trey, I'm going to tell you something. I've been in this thing 41 years. I'm 70 years old. And I'm still learning what I got. I had completely backwards. This world taught me things wow. that were just completely backwards. <laughs> you know, the idea that humility, lowering yourself, is a shameful thing in this world. And you just can't do that. <laughs> God, 
I mean, how many other things have you, have you found out since you've been saved were just completely backwards yeah. from the truth? And you were basing your whole life on those things. I could talk all night. This has been an awesome podcast. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, okay. <laughs> I was going to tell you a joke, man. I got a thing now. I'm not going to do that. Next time? Next time. Well, I'll, I'll save it for next time. All right, we're coming back. We'll do it again. Okay. Love you. Thank you. Love you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.